Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I think the most surprising part is that as I'm getting older, you know, I'm 44 now, the fact that I feel better now at 44 than I did 10 years ago at 34 is wild to me. Like if I feel this good, like I can't even imagine if I keep going this direction, what's, what lies ahead for me. And just the fact that I'm even running marathons, if you had told me this 10 years ago, I wouldn't have believed you because I had never run more than a mile of my life. Um, so I think the most surprising part in all of this is what our bodies are capable of and what our potential is to do hard things and to improve and to overcome challenges. I am grateful that I had such a long experience with struggles and addiction and self-sabotage because now I know what the other side looks and feels like. And it is further incentive for me to never want to go back. Women's running, running, women's running stories. Hi, I'm Celeste Vaughn. I am a mom of two. I'm a writer. I'm a runner. I'm a wife, and I am a recovery coach. Yes, in this episode, we are going to hear Celeste Yvonne's running story, which is integral to both her parenting journey and her sobriety journey. But before we hear more from Celeste, welcome to Women's Running Stories. I am Cherie Louise Turner. I am your host and producer. And in every episode, one woman shares her running journey. And I want to let you know that this podcast is part of the Evergreen Network of Podcasts. And there's another podcast in the network that I know you will really enjoy, and that is Hear Her Sports. It is hosted and produced by my friend, Elizabeth Emery. And every episode, Elizabeth brings you a woman athlete or a woman who is in the sports world, and she gets into it. Elizabeth is a fantastic interviewer, and I always find her conversations really engaging and interesting, and I always find useful takeaways. I particularly liked a recent episode where she featured Dr. Kate Ackerman. Dr. Kate Ackerman is a researcher and physician who is doing fascinating, groundbreaking work focused on women athletes. And Elizabeth really helps break down the many, many things that Dr. Ackerman does and provide clear insight into this really important and really interesting work. 
Elizabeth puts out episodes every other Thursday, and of course, you will find links to how to keep up with Hear Her Sports in the show notes. Give it a listen and let me know what you think. Now on to this episode featuring Celeste Yvonne. Celeste is best known for her writing and work around parenting and sobriety. Her first book published on the topic called It's Not About the Wine, The Loaded Truth Behind Mommy Wine Culture comes out this month, and it is a powerful and insightful read. I do recommend it. But for this episode, as we do here, Celeste is going to focus on her running story and the part that it's played in her larger journey of life. So let's get to it. Here is Celeste Yvonne. I had this perception of what a runner looked like because I had seen running magazines. You know, I'd seen the Olympics. And to me, I had these preconceived notions of who a runner is and what a runner does and what what a runner looks like. And in so many ways, I think that hindered me because I had this belief system that I just was not born that way. And growing up in high school, we had to run at the gym, whatnot, and I always hated it. I felt like I was clunky. It felt like the time took forever. Uh, Doing the one mile run in gym felt like torture. So I took that mindset and I clung to that throughout my teenage years and early adulthood. And so when I reached my mid thirties and became a mom, it really was a mental reset for me to say, I should try this. But Celeste's reasons for trying running were not just for her. Uh, My firstborn son, who's nine now, but when he was firstborn, he was a very colicky baby. He screamed. He was very uncomfortable. He had a lot of acid reflux. As a new mom and somebody with very little experience with babies, he was challenging and he challenged me to my core. I also, in that first year of motherhood, struggled with some postpartum depression and anxiety. Uh, I think in part because of my hormones, but also because of this huge transition in my life, as well as how hard it was to get my new baby to relax or fall asleep. And I learned pretty early on that moving my son around calmed him down. And it started with walks in 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 the runner the bob runner and when he was old enough which i think was 6 months i can't remember for sure what the doctor said but i think when he was 6 months i got permission to start jogging with him and i had never run before i never considered myself a runner i didn't feel like i had a runner's body or a runner's mindset but i was desperate i was looking for something to get me out of the house, to get me out of the four walls that felt like they were closing in on me in early motherhood, and to also help soothe my baby. And I found that when I started jogging, my son calmed down. And seeing him physically calm down, I could just feel my shoulder tension release. And I think 
just this light bulb moment of hope and excitement that maybe I found the thing, the thing that's going to work for him. I think that was the sensation going into literally my first run with him. I had been looking for what the thing would be for months at that point. We had tried everything. We had gone to the doctor. We had tried uh, giving him gut drops. Uh, We've tried soothing him. I would put him in the baby Bjorn and I would walk around vacuuming floors because it seemed like the noise helped, but nothing quite did it like the jogging did. And there was also a part in me in that early motherhood phase where I felt like I had kind of lost who I was. I I didn't know what exercise was going to look like now. I I didn't know what my life was going to look like now as a mother. And I had always loved to exercise. I had always enjoyed it, but I didn't know how to do it anymore with a baby in tow. So when I got out there and it was a, the summer weather and I'm walking and then I start jogging along the sidewalk, there was this real magical moment beyond the tension from the shoulders easing and beyond my baby calming down where I thought I could do this. I could build off this. This could work for us. So that's how my running journey began. So when I when I first started running, the other thing I was doing to try to help with my postpartum anxiety and depression and also just the stressors that come with new motherhood was I started drinking, as many do. Uh, there's a reason why we call it mommy juice, right? So I, I was drinking to self-medicate from so many of the stressors that come in early motherhood and drinking as a way to relax and ease the pressures from all these things that were weighing on me. And I just didn't know another way to do it. And even when I began my running journey, I was still in a place where my drinking was continuing to build as each month went by, I even ran my first marathon about two months before I quit drinking altogether. And I remember those months of training and some of them were good, but some of them were brutal. I would try running with a hangover or just trying to run feeling lethargic and gross after uh, over-consuming the night before it made my training for this marathon much harder than it had to be. So when I quit drinking and started my sober journey, my running continued. Thank goodness. That's not something that uh, I quit along with the alcohol. I kind of doubled down on my running. It was an opportunity for me to be a little more serious about it And since I quit, I have since run three more marathons and I'm currently training for my fourth marathon sober. I am running in Washington, D.C., the Marine Corps Marathon at the end of October this year. 
I want to back up a little bit because I think there is a challenging correlation between running and drinking. Unfortunately, you know, it's pretty easy to correlate the two. And in my early running story, it was easy for me to run hard, drink hard. And I I, I kind of used one to justify the other in, in some ways. In fact, both ways. I ran hard to justify heavy drinking and I drank hard and justified it by running. And you go to these races and even my marathons at the very end, you often get handed either a coupon for a beer or a can of alcohol. And it feels like a reward for hard work. And I loved that <laughs> until I didn't. I, I loved having a drink after a long run. I loved the feeling of consuming a beer after I just worked really hard. My problem, of course, is that I never wanted just one. And I think it can be a challenge for athletes, not even to say that I am an athlete <laughs> in, in a competitive sense, because I'm very much a, a low-key, slow runner, but I liked to justify heavy drinking with how hard I was working on my running. And I think in some ways I trained for a marathon that last year before I quit drinking as an excuse to say, see, look at me. I still have my life together. I just ran a marathon. Clearly I don't have a drinking problem. Clearly I have my life together when I could feel the foundation shaking from under me. I mean, there's a very literal sense to what I just said about the ground shaking from beneath me because anybody who's run hungover knows that that can feel pretty jarring. And it's a very uncomfortable run. Some people would say they're sweating it out. And I'm sure that's what I would say. But trying to do long distances with a hangover is pretty awful. And it's certainly not an enjoyable run. For me, I think in some sense, I would take that sensation and feel like it was punishment for a heavy night before or that I deserved it because I was such, I was in such a crummy place mentally and emotionally. I felt like I was self-sabotaging myself in so many different ways. Running was my way to get back on track, even through the pain and the struggle. But I think in the end of my drinking story, running did not feel good. And how could it? Uh, but I continued to do it because I thought it was my way of recalibrating of getting myself back to equilibrium after heavy drinking. 
Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So when I quit drinking, it was a pretty abrupt decision. It was something that I decided to do after a panic attack one morning and having a moment of reflection that I didn't want to live this way anymore. I got sick and tired of what I was doing to myself every day. So I quit cold turkey, not really sure how I was going to do this, what this was going to look like moving forward. I did not join a recovery group or program. I just decided to wing it. And in those early months of my recovery, I was white knuckling my sobriety in every sense. But I was also seeking to find something to do with this newfound time I had just acquired. And running was a real gift for that. Running gave me an opportunity to move my body, to get out of the house, to relax, but also to push myself. It's such a beautiful means of exercise in that it's intense and it's freeing at the same time. And I got that gift in my running journey right off the bat when I quit drinking. I applied for the Chicago Marathon just thinking, I'll give it a shot and see what happens. And I got in and I went all in. I have to tell you the difference in my running compared to how I ran when I was drinking is night and day. It's still hard when you're running sober, but when you are not chasing a hangover, it feels good. Running feels good. And it was such a gift for me, especially in that first year, because it gave me a goal to work towards. I was working towards the Chicago Marathon. It gave me a excuse to get out of the house. It gave me a reason to be healthy and it kept my mind engaged. So running was a big part of my recovery journey. And I credit it for really keeping me, helping me stay sober that first year. There is this hill that I run to on my longer runs. And I hit it at about mile four and a half. So it's a good distance. But when you get to the top of it, there's this breathtaking view of Reno, uh, a, a panoramic view. And there was, I remember several times that first year reaching that top of that hill. I was warmed up at that point. I was feeling good. And I, I I knew at that point, like I was all in, you know, there's a sense like in the first mile where you're like, are we really doing this? I'm not sure. Are we really doing this? But when you're, when you get to mile four and a half, you know, like not only are you doing this, but you will finish this run. And I remember a couple of times hitting that hill, 
taking a breather, having a sip of water and looking at that view and just literally feeling on top of the world. And you can't describe it as anything other than that. I mean, maybe someone would call it a runner's high, but it felt like freedom to me. It felt like liberation. And that is the feeling I get in my sobriety. But moments like that felt like the epitome of what I was working towards in my sober journey. This running pursuit wasn't just about not doing harm anymore. It was about healing and progressively getting healthier. It's easy to say, are you just replacing one addiction for another? And it's such an important thing to keep in mind because going extreme in anything can be dangerous. Um, I have an, a bit of an extreme mindset, uh, and I always have. I think that's why my alcohol use was uh, t- took such an extreme turn, too. Uh, with my running, it is always something I will be careful about. As somebody who, you know, I grew up with an eating disorder history, and then I moved on to a substance use disorder, my disassociation with my body is something I've had for most of my life. I think that's why learning to listen to my body instead of learning to ignore it, which is something I had done my whole life, uh, is such a key part of this. And it has been a really strengthening piece of my recovery because when you're running, if you're disassociated from your body and your body's needs, sure, you can still run, but you're going to be injured a lot. You're going to be burnt out quickly. And I have taught myself and, you know, I've been taught through therapy and through listening to my sister-in-law, through reading books um, and listening to other people's stories on running, how to do this in a healthy sense and still be able to do it on a somewhat extreme level, if you want to call marathon running extreme. It's kind of debatable. But doing one marathon a year, you know, I don't think I'm, I'm hitting any sort of extreme levels. But when I do reach my training and I'm doing up to 22 miles on the weekends, it can feel like a lot. It can feel like a bit of burnout. And when I get home after runs like these, I I do go home and I take care of myself. Whereas, you know, in years past, I probably would have drank a six pack of beer. (laughs) So it just looks different now and it feels different and it feels better, which is probably why I love it so much. Of course, the healing journey that Celeste was on took time. I think the first couple years of my running, learning how to listen to my body and how to fuel my body for those longer runs, that took a lot of work because there was a lot of preconceived notions in my head about what I should or should not need at any given time. And uh, that was definitely training in its own sense, training my body to accept fuel, training my body to accept water. 
uh, and learning to slow down and take breaks when maybe the competitor in me didn't want to or wasn't ready to. I, a big part of my running journey was with my sister-in-law, who is also a runner, and she encouraged me every step of the way. And she's the person who really taught me to take breaks, to drink lots of water, to fuel during these longer runs and when to fuel. And I'm so glad I learned that because I think it's hard in the beginning when you're just going off your gut and most of your life, you never trusted your gut. It can be a challenge to accept what you're hearing as the truth. And running gives me that connection back to being present, to listening to my body, to acknowledging what my body needs. So when I first started training with my sister-in-law, she would have us stop every mile or two and take sips of water. And I remember thinking and even saying, no, let I want to train my body not to need my need water during these runs because I'm not always going to have water accessible. And she said to me, why not? And it was such a funny question because, I mean, clearly there's no excuse not to have water on you if you if you need it. Like there's so many ways to access it. You could run holding the bottle. You could have uh, water on your belt or you could have it on a camel bag. But I was thinking so narrow-mindedly in my early running journey that it didn't even occur to me that there were different options and that the key was to making it always available. And it was kind of flipping my mindset around what's most important. Most important was fueling my body over convenience um, and putting that first, putting my body first was such a unique concept to me for most of my life, but it was such a beautiful philosophy because it really did empower me. And it's still something that even now on my short runs, I always have water available because why wouldn't I? My body is going to tell me when it needs water and I'm going to listen to it. And I appreciate that now, but in the beginning, it was when she first said that to me, it had truly never even occurred to me to just be prepared for what my body might need. Because that's what I've done my whole life. You know, you tough it out, you suck it up. You, um, I felt like I was such a badass if I could get through a run without any water. Oh, look at those people. They, they're slowing their runs down to drink water. Lame. <laughs> and now, like, I'm the first person to the water line. Um, I don't do this to win awards. You know, I do this because um, I love it. I love what running does for me. I love how it's part of my story. I love how it makes me feel. I love how it makes me feel like a more confident, stronger person. And Nobody is going to take care of my body better than me. So I have the most important job in the world in that respect. For Celeste, the benefits of running do not end with health and healing. There is a figurative and literal sense of 
moving somewhere, of going on a path of trailblazing. I mean, you could metaphor yourself to death on this, but it really feels, I mean, it's a different sensation than a treadmill or a stationary bike. And to be able to get from point A to point B and say, I did that with my own two feet, there's no better feeling than that. I love driving with my kids and we are tracking mileage for some reason. And my kids will say, mom, you could have run that. I love that. That is my favorite thing to hear from my kids. I love how empowered running makes me feel and how strong my kids see me uh, through my running journey. I love that I am showing them what a healthy coping mechanism can look like and what my kids know that on Saturday mornings, mommy's going for her long run uh, and they just know that that's what I do. They also know that their dad plays soccer and that's just his thing. That's what he does. So they get to see it from both sides that uh, when someone becomes a parent, if they choose to, they don't lose other parts of them in the process and that there's a way to live and have a fulfilling life that doesn't look like drinking every night that doesn't look like self-medicating and it can be healthy and it can be fulfilling and it can even be joyful. And that mommy, mommy's story is not completely isolated in motherhood that as their mom, I have a life outside of them and it's a good life and it's a fulfilling life. I'm so grateful I get to show them what that life can look like because there were a couple years there where I did not show them that. And as a daughter of an alcoholic, I know firsthand what growing up in a household where children don't see that, what kind of damage that can do. So this is my running story along with my motherhood story, I feel like are all such beautiful pieces that I get to share with my children along with my recovery story. Celeste Yvonne's running journey has transformed over the years. And along with that, so has the motivation that fuels her interest in the sport. Or as we might say, her why for doing this has evolved. I would say when I signed up for that first marathon two months before I quit drinking, my why was justification. My why was to prove to everyone, but especially myself, that I was okay, that I was healthy, that I was going to be just fine. So I feel like my intentions were kind of backwards from what they could have been. And even when I first quit and I first signed up for Chicago Marathon and first ran it, my why was maybe less goal-driven and more why not. Uh, It was like, well, what else am I going to do? And let's just see what happens. You know, it was kind of this let's just see approach. Uh, Now, you know, my, my running and 
my goal setting. I do it a lot around my opportunity to train with my friends, uh, my sister-in-law, and um, I train with other people and it's an opportunity for us to connect and we build off this goal together. We're going to run this marathon in DC together. Uh, But it's also driven by my goals towards taking care of myself and living a healthy life and showing my children what a healthy life looks like and having passion for things outside of the home. Uh, So my why around my sobriety and my running is ever evolving. And I think that's a good thing. And I imagine in a few years time, that's going to change too. And I hope it does because it means I'm still growing. And that brings us to the end of Celeste Yvonne's story. I want to thank Celeste so much for coming on the podcast and sharing her running journey. And I also want to thank her for being so open and honest about her sobriety journey. As a sober runner myself, I could relate to a lot of the things that she has gone through. And I know that these topics are not always easy to talk about. So I appreciate her being so outspoken about her journey. Thank you, Celeste. And I look forward to following what comes next for Celeste Yvonne. Of course, the very next thing that's happening is her book is coming out. So look to the show notes. I will provide links of how you can find Celeste's new book, It's Not About the Wine, as well as other ways you can keep up with her. In the show notes, you're also going to find ways to keep up with Hear Her Sports, as well as women's running stories. I want to thank you so much for listening. I always appreciate you being here. I love making these episodes, but the power of them is in you listening and also in you sharing. I would really love it if you shared this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. I also want to note that I do not make these episodes by myself. All of the original music you hear is made by Cormac O'Regan here in Cork, Ireland. And that is going to do it for me. This is Cherie Louise Turner, your host and producer. And until next week, I wish you healthy, joyful strides forward. Women's running, running, running. Women's running stories. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. 
Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chadda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.